All right, well, today, um, as we have already acknowledged, is Mother's Day. And so we will not be in Luke today. Um, so as I was thinking about what to share with you on this Mother's Day um, morning, I was drawn to the book of Luke. Or not the book of Luke. I'm thinking about the book of Luke because we're I'm preaching through the book of Luke. The book of Ruth, excuse me. The book of Ruth is where we will be this morning. And in the future, I hope to do a series on the entire book of Ruth. Um, but for now, what we're going to do is just look at some highlights from this book, particularly as it pertains to Naomi. Now, Naomi perhaps isn't necessarily someone that you would automatically put forth as a, as a bastion of godly motherhood um, because she definitely dealt with some bitterness in her life and definitely some extreme trials um, that she was not necessarily prepared for. But I think as we open this, um, as we open this book and begin to, to study this, we will see that um, there is indeed some lessons for us from the life of Naomi. And the first lesson that I want to draw out um, is that even in her sorrow, she acknowledged the Lord. Um, and I've, I've seen my mother do this. Um, my mother, um, to take you back a few years, it was May of 1979. My parents were on a final vacation before becoming parents. They were sitting in church, preparing to listen to the sermon, and all of a sudden my mom started getting really sick. Now the fact that she hadn't had any more children meant that she didn't realize that she was in labor, especially since I was not supposed to arrive for another three months. But with the help of the pastor's wife, who eventually realized what was going on, she was brought to the hospital and I was born a short time later. And um, I don't know, well, I obviously don't remember much about that day, but I've heard stories and there was, it was pretty chaotic that day. Matter of fact, as soon as my parents uh, got in the door of the hospital, the fire alarms started going off. So it was a great welcome to the hospital. But anyway, I was born shortly, late, shortly thereafter and I asked my mom, I said, did you fear for my life? Because I know my dad did. My dad told me that he walked around the hospital campus the day I was born and begged God for my life. Because he had no idea what was going to happen to his oldest son. And you know, I think at that point, it, we talk about how God has a plan for us before the foundations of the world. I think at that point, God was already working to set me apart to his work. And he knew that he had a special plan for my life. And I'm thankful for parents who raised me to discover what that was. 
my mother said, I asked my mother, I said, did you hear from my wife? And she said, no. As soon as I heard you cry, I knew you'd be okay. And obviously I wasn't as okay as they were hoping I would be because shortly before I was two, they found out I would never walk. And again, that had to be on a certain level devastating for them, but my parents never lost hope. And as I said earlier this morning, shortly before my fifth birthday in April of 1984, I made a decision that changed my entire life when I passed from death to life and trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And um, for the next nine years, I did a lot of arguing with God and said, God, why did you make me this way? And then when my baby brother died, I went to my mother for solace because I said, why is he dead and I'm still alive and I'm useless? But see, it was because my mother never gave up on me that I'm here today. It's because of her love and her earnest desire to see me succeed that I'm preaching before you today. And, and so we're going to see in Naomi a similar mother, a mother who had a lot of sorrow in her life. She lost her husband, and then she lost her sons. And so she was very much destitute, especially in that culture of that day. Not having sons meant sure destruction in a lot of ways because... The sons were who provided for the livelihood. But let's look at Ruth chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted up their voice. And they lifted up their voice and wept. And uh, so, again, this paints a bleak picture. She's saying, I have nothing for you. My sons, who are your husbands, you are faithful to them. The Lord deal kindly with you for doing that. For dealing, what did she say? The Lord deal kindly with you for how you have dealt with the dead and with me. But I have nothing to give you. And so she, she tells them to go to their kindred. And at first they both resist. And she continues to tell them. And finally Orpah kisses her and walks away. But Ruth says this. And my parents use this in their wedding vows. And I hope that one day... This will be used in my own wedding. Ruth said this. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also... If all but death part thee and me. 
These words are super significant when you realize they still had no livelihood. They're even more significant when you realize that this was a Moabitess. And if she went back to Israel, the chances are that she would not be well received. Or at least there was a, there was a good chance she would not be well received. But she says, I'm not going to leave you for anything in the world. And so when Naomi realized that she wouldn't be dissuaded, they went to Israel. And I find it very interesting that, because look at the, the last verse of chapter 1 of Ruth. It says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the time of the barley harvest. And actually, I should have gone a couple verses ahead of that, because in verse 20 she says, And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. And the reason I bring up this passage is because think about this. Even with the sorrow that Naomi was going through, even with the grief that she was going through, even the fact that even with the fact that she said I'm empty, she still acknowledged God. And she still acknowledged God to the degree that Ruth said, Your God is my God. A part of the reason that I am a believer today is because I saw my mother make the God of Israel her God. And somehow, even in all this grief, even in all this bitterness, Naomi's allegiance to God was such a profound impact on Ruth that said, I want what you have. See, life doesn't always work out the way we want it. Sometimes it's downright hard. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I don't show the world someone who never sorrows, but I do show someone who overcomes by the word of the Lord. I, w I was listening to that story that our brother Mike was sharing about the, the young lady or the lady that was diagnosed with cancer and never shed a tear. That won't be me. If that ever happens to me, I'll be shedding a lot of tears. And I'll probably struggle with it. But even in my tears, God will be there. God never says don't cry. He never says don't mourn. He says if you mourn, you'll be comforted. He says that we're supposed to comfort others with the comfort wherewith we have been comforted of God. You see, now when someone says, I lost my brother, or I, I lost my sister, and I don't know how I can cope, I can come alongside of them and say, there was a time when I didn't know how I would cope either. When the students that I work with at Potter's House are struggling with inferiority and with feelings of, of suicidal thoughts and with, I, with feelings of I'm not good enough, I can come alongside of them and say, I was there. 
But God didn't leave me there. I found this affirmation of motherhood that I'd like to share with you. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of a loving God, who was born of the promise to the Virgin Mary. I believe in the love that Mary gave her son that caused her to follow him in his ministry and stand by his cross as he died. I believe in the love of all mothers and its importance in the lives of children they bear. It is stronger than seal, stronger than steel, softer than down, and more resilient than a green sapling on the hillside. It cleanses wounds, melts disappointments, and enables the weakest child to stand tall and straight in the fields of adversity. I believe that this love, even at its best, is only a shadow of the love of God, a dark reflection of all that we can expect of Him, both in this life and the next. And I believe that one of the beautiful sights in the world is a mother who lets the greater love flow through her to her child, blessing the world with tenderness of touch and with the tears of her joy. That's what it's all about. When a mother shows that she loves her children, she's showing the world the love of God. What did Jesus say? He said, I would have gathered you under my wings as a hen <coughs> gathers her chicks, but you would not. He says, you would not. He said, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believed on his name. Look at his followers. They were fishermen, tax collectors. In many ways, the lower echelon of society. Not a single one of them, to our knowledge, had rabbinical training. Not a single one of them came from a pharisaical, pharisaical line. I saw something recently, and I'll probably bring it in as we go toward more passages in the book of Luke, but it turns out that an analysis of the disciples shows that the most educated, the most qualified of the disciples was one who missed the boat altogether, Judas Iscariot. Because it's not about having all the accolades in the world. It's about having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I can encourage the mothers in the audience, that is the most important job that you have is to lead your children to the throne of grace. Nothing grieves my heart more than to hear society, and even Christian churches, malign the gift of motherhood and say, you're only a mother? If we could really dissect and unpack what it means to be a mother, we would never say that. It would never come out of our lips because it would never come to our minds. Forbes magazine said, that they basically see motherhood as a combination of 10 jobs which each merit a high salary in the world. 
And I cited that on my Mother's Day podcast, which is posted for this week. And so you can go and look at that. I don't have it in front of me. But I've often felt this. That if you are going to try to replace my mother and everything that she does or has done for us, you would have to hire a whole staff of people to do that. And yet somehow, she's able to do it. She's not perfect, but neither was Naomi. But even in her imperfections, or especially in her imperfections, I can see God at work. And that is the most important thing. When you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like you haven't gotten anything done as a mother, how do you ask yourself, have my children seen God through me today? And if they have, then you have won. All right, so we talked about how even in Naomi's sorrow, she acknowledged the Creator, and it was in such a way that Ruth was able to say, your God will be my God. What a significance. The second thing we see from Naomi is that she saw God's hand and testified to Ruth about it. Or, no, um, yes, I am getting a little bit, I am skipping lines here. But yes, she saw God's hand and testified to Ruth about it. Let's look at Ruth, chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. Ruth 2, verses 18 to 22. Of course, we know that Ruth and Naomi, they needed an income. So Ruth goes and finds a place to glean, and we can read in the law about the law of the gleaning. And Boaz, as a righteous man, he remembers this. And at the end of the day, it says this about Ruth. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave it to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And the, her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that took knowledge of thee and showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, This man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, This man is near of kin to us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with the maidens, that they meet thee, not in any other field. And so as I'm, as we contemplate this, there, there are probably other fields. Matter of fact, we'll read in a few minutes that Boaz points that out. But she landed by God's providence in the field of Boaz. 
someone who was of her lineage, and someone who was able to care for her, someone no doubt of great and noble character as you will continue to read as well. And um, so to, to backtrack and, and give some credence to what she said about Boaz, let's just look a little um, farther up in the chapter. I'm going to read for you Ruth 2, 5 to 12. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let, them, let, not, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, what have I, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered unto her, It hath been fully shown me all that thou hast done for thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto the people which thou knowest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work. And a full reward given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. That's one of my favorite passages in the book of Ruth. We talked about the wings of God. And so... Naomi is discerning. She no doubt already knew that her daughter was a hard worker. She talked about before they left the kindness that you've shown my sons and to me. And it's interesting that Ruth didn't just say, I'm going to go with you and we're going to be destitute together. No, she went out and made provision to provide for her mother-in-law. And she worked from sun up to sundown. And the amount of grain that she would take back to her mother-in-law on a repeated basis, if you were to weigh it out, I don't remember the exact weights, but this is a lot of grain, like pounds and pounds of it. And she was able to lift it and carry it back. So we're talking about an industrious, strong, hard-working woman. And Naomi senses the hand of God. When she hears the name Boaz, she's like, it's of God that you ended up in this place. And I can't tell you how many times my mother has known the right thing to say or the right place to send me. 
when I got my first long-term job at Right to Life of Michigan, I, w I would have been working there a year longer than I did had I listened to her. But she uh, kept after me for almost a year to apply with them. And I was there for 10 and a half years. And I have my mother to thank for that. I'm pretty sure that she was a big part of my discussion before I went to work for Guiding Light Mission because I was looking for places to volunteer and I'm sure we had a discussion about it. I'm not sure if she directly recommended Guiding Light, but there I was at Guiding Light. And after volunteering there for two years, I was hired and I worked there for a year. And then when I wanted to grow my ministry, mom was like, you should contact the Christian radio stations and see if you can get in and share your story. And almost five years later, I still go to that radio station. And I get the privilege of working with one of the morning show hosts on my podcast. And he's not only a morning show host, but he's one of my best friends. Again, because of my mother. Because she knew, had wisdom to know how to direct me. She's always been my encourager. And so, she, in her sorrow, she acknowledged the Lord. She saw God's hand and testified to Ruth about it. She said, this is the hand of the Lord that you landed here. And the third thing she did was she discerned Boaz's heart toward Ruth. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put the raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until she, he, he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he layeth down, that thou shalt mark the place, where he shall lay, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest, I will do. I think about her earlier entreaty in chapter 1, that if she had, was able to conceive a son that night, it still wouldn't be sufficient for them. But yet, as she goes into Israel and she notices that Ruth has been accepted by Boaz, and she realizes, no doubt, some little things like her being invited to eat with Boaz, her being able to eat, drink from the water jars that only the men are allowed to drink from. She's starting to notice that Boaz has this regard for Ruth that goes beyond simple kindness. And so she encourages her to approach Boaz. 
And then she says this in verse 18 about Boaz's characters, character. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest till he has finished the thing this day. She knew that Boaz was a man of character who, if he was going to pursue her, would fulfill the duties that he had to her that day. He wasn't going to rest until the matter was done. Of course, we know that he had to offer her to a nearer kinsman first. But basically, when the man realized that he had to redeem Naomi and Ruth with the land, he said, no, I can't. But again, we, we just see the character of Boaz and the way and also the character of Naomi, the way that she is like, well, my daughter's been so good to me. I'm going to try to provide that rest that she needs. And I think Boaz would be a great answer to this prayer. We, we never read that they spoke, Naomi and Boaz, before this. But God was weaving a tapestry behind the scenes. Just want to share this story about a mother's provision for her child. Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales, carrying her tiny baby in her arms when she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard. She never reached her destination, and when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by surgers beneath the mound of snow. But they discovered that before her death, she had taken off all her outer clothing and wrapped it around the baby. When they unwrapped the child to their great surprise and joy, they found that he was alive and well. She had mounted her body over his and given her life for her child, proving the depths of her mother love. Years later, that child, David Lloyd George, grown to manhood, became Prime Minister of Great Britain, and without a doubt, one of England's greatest statesmen. I'm reminded of Jochebed, who hid her son in the bulrushes and gave her son back to the pharaoh after he was weaned, probably not having any idea that her son would deliver the whole nation of Israel with God's help from the power of the Egyptians, the power of a mother's love. And um, I just want to read a couple other verses in Ruth chapter 3, again, kind of backtracking. Uh, Ruth 3, 10 to 13. This is Boaz talking to Ruth. And he said, Blessed be thou, be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown kindness in the latter end more than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true, I am thy near kinsman, albeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. 
lay down until morning. And so, Boaz again acknowledges the virtue of Ruth. It's mentioned twice, at least, in this book, that Ruth was a virtuous woman. And she would become a part of the line of Jesus. Which brings us to our fourth and final part point in Ruth chapter 4. Naomi leaned the rewards of God's faithfulness. Ruth 4.13 to 17 says... So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord God, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of life, and a nourisher in thy old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth to thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Again, Another testimony to the virtue of Ruth. Thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than ten sons. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the woman, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed the father of Jesse, the father of David. And of course, we know the line continues through to Jesus Christ. And just to finish up, Ruth 4, 9, and 10 says this, And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are my witnesses this day. I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Killian's and all that was Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, and that the name of the dead might not be cut off from his brethren, and from the gate of his place, you are witnesses this day. Again, another godly man that like Joseph in the New Testament, knew the law. He knew what he was supposed to do to procure this for them. He went to the gate of the city and he took off his sandal and he said, this is what I intend to do. And he said, you are my witnesses. This is a reward that Naomi received for God's faithfulness. Now God could have easily said, you told me that I brought you back empty. So I'm just going to leave you empty. He could have done that. How often do we rail against God and say, we're empty. You took everything from us. And yet God still provides when we least expect it. I still remember one time when I was really complaining to God about the fact that he hadn't provided for me. And I opened the mail that afternoon and there was a large check in the mail. And it was interesting because I was writing a blog post that, that day and trying to put on a brave face. and I, I was able in that last paragraph that day to praise God for his provision. 
And I don't know how to explain it, but it just seems like when I'm complaining the loudest, God comes through the loudest. He puts up with me in ways that I definitely wouldn't put up with me. So maybe you haven't been the perfect mother. I didn't choose to tell you about Naomi today because she was the perfect mother. I chose to tell you about Naomi because even though she wasn't perfect, God used her to change the world. She didn't know. But at that very moment, as God was placing Naomi and Ruth together, which, by the way, happens to be one of my favorite love stories of all time. If you want to read the Bible, it has everything, including love stories. But she didn't know at that time that she was actually putting a thread in the line of Jesus Christ. Because Obed was the father of David, and 14 generations after David, there was one born who was the king of the Jews who would sit on the throne of David forever. One of his names is the son of David. Well, we're going to wrap this up, and I'm going to pray. But then I would like to sing number 598 as we close after the closing prayer. Because this is one of my mother's favorite songs, Under His Wings. And very appropriate for our message today because Boaz mentioned his wings. So let's pray and then we can close with this song. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for imperfect examples throughout the Bible. And Lord, we thank you for Naomi. Thank you for the fact that your faithfulness to her did not rely on her faithfulness to you. And we thank you that even though she lost hope, she didn't lose all hope because she still acknowledged you in her life. I pray a blessing upon each mother here. And I pray that we would take this day and every day to honor the mothers in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.